With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Prepare to win this season with PFF Fantasy. Pro Football Focus uses our exclusive data on every play of every game to bring you the best fantasy stats and projections. Join PFF Edge for full access to our expert rankings, draft tools, matchup charts, and of course, our award-winning content. Are you a high-stakes player? Join PFF Elite, which includes our premium stats database, Greenline Game Picks, and DFS Optimizer powered by our fantasy projections. Join PFF Fantasy and prepare to win. Sign up now at ProFootballFocus.com. Here comes a lightning bolt. Charger fans are witnesses to history. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Lightning Round Podcast. Chargers 53-man roster predictions. This is Garrett at Garrett Sisti on Twitter. And of course, Jamie is at Lightning underscore round. And we're going to make major cuts to the Chargers roster today. But first, it's time to talk about some of these special shout outs this week. Yeah, so once again, we'd like to shout out a couple people who donated and uh, continue to support the show in that way. So big thank you goes out to Cyril Hernandez and Josh Albrechtson for their donations. Thank you guys for being so generous and, uh, and, and donating to the cause here. And as we always say, we appreciate everybody supporting however they choose to, whether it's listening, uh, you know, participating in discussions through the app or through social media or rating us on iTunes. Uh, it's all support. It all keeps us going. It all gives us a reason to keep the show going. So thank you all for that, for your continued support. We do appreciate it. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people say that we're uh, negative Nancys over here, so I'd like to read a little nice thing that Cyril sent with his donation. He says, thanks to people from far away to keep the passion for the Chargers. I'm listening to your show since a few years now, and the quality always increases from your probably your biggest fan in France, Bolt Up, Cyril Hernandez. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Big shout out from, from France. That's awesome. International shout-outs. Got to love that. Yeah, so thank you. People say nice stuff. We'll read it on the podcast. Why not? Not the negative stuff, but the nice stuff for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we get enough on the negative stuff. That's okay. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go ahead and each do our uh, 53-man roster predictions. We will probably each post an article later on with these 53, a little after the podcast has kind of settled a little bit. So uh, we'll probably go a little bit into that as well in the article. So uh, we're going to go ahead and start, and I guess we can start on offense. And this is going to be each of our predictions, and we can start with quarterback. How many do you have the Chargers carrying? I have two, um, and I'll talk about it a little bit later as we get more through the uh, through the 53. I think there's a chance they might carry three. I hope it's not the case. But for right now, I have them carrying Philip Rivers and Geno Smith. Obviously, Rivers the starter. Gino, in my opinion, was hands down the best quarterback, the best backup quarterback on the Chargers roster this preseason. He far and away outplayed Cardell Jones, even with the one really bad pick six this week, which was basically the only really bad decision he made in three games. 
I thought he played very well and really really brought to light just how far behind the curve Cardell is as an as an NFL quarterback and in my opinion if Cardell can't beat Geno for the backup job he really doesn't have a spot on this roster or on the practice squad for that matter so I'm keeping Philip and Geno and in my 53 there is no Cardell jo- Cardell Jones and if I was putting together a practice squad list he would not make that list either yeah, same here. Two quarterbacks, Philip Rivers, Geno Smith. I think there's a chance the Chargers try to get Cardell Jones on the practice squad, but I don't think anybody with eyes believes that Cardell Jones outplayed Geno Smith. I mean, there wasn't a single practice, a single day. It doesn't even seem like a single rep that Cardell won over Geno Smith. It was just far and away Geno Smith's job. And he made the bad decision against the Saints. I mean, you could you could say he made two because there was that other interception that got called back, but... um you know, there was the one pick six that was bad, but even though he had that really bad throw and bad decision, it still wasn't that much worse than Cardell Jones. So uh, so I've got Geno Smith, Philip Rivers. I think because Anthony Lynn has such an infatuation with Cardell, I don't know if he sees him as uh, another son to him or something, or there's some kind of personal matter, but he loves Cardell Jones. And I think there is a Big possibility that if he does not keep Cardell on the roster, which I do not think he does, they bring him on as a practice squad arm, but I think they cut bait when they cut down to 53. What concerns me is there was a quote from Lynn after the game last night where he was talking about Cardell, and he basically said he tweaked his hamstring, I think it was, uh, during the game, but that he pulled him and he didn't bring him back in the second half because, quote, he wanted to make sure he was healthy enough to play a lot in the fourth preseason game. Now, that could be a reflection of Cardell just picking up garbage time after Geno's done, but part of me wonders if they're kind of waiting for Geno to shit the bed and find a, find an excuse to either cut Geno and keep Cardell or keep Cardell as a third quarterback. I just think there's something at play here. It just seems like Lynn has been working really hard to cover for Cardell, no matter how bad he's been in games or in practices, uh, and it just seems like he's looking for a reason to keep him. And that's concerning. You know, they keep saying the contest is quote tied or really close. And I think it's hard to say hard for anybody who's looking at this objectively to say, Oh yeah, this is close. This is coming down to the wire because Gino is a much better quarterback than Cardell. And it's really not close. Moving off that and onto another position group. That's not even close is fullback. And I know we could probably combine this into running backs, but We'll just go ahead and say fullbacks, and Derek Watt, obviously the man here. Some people liked Anthony Manzo-Lewis, but he got absolutely no run at all during the preseason, so this is an easy fill-in for Derek Watt, a core special teams player last year, and they've even talked about wanting to get Watt more involved in the passing game this season, so Watt is here to stay, one fullback for me. Yeah, I've got the same. I've got Watt making it. I never really thought there was a chance that um, Anthony Manzo-Lewis was going to make the roster. Uh you mentioned it. Watt is a core special teamer. He's a guy that the coaches love because of his work on special teams. On the rare occasions where they get a big return out of uh, Travis Benjamin on punts, usually it's because Watt is blocking two or three guys at one time. We saw that last <laughs> year. Uh, yep. And they have they have been making concerted effort to work him into the passing game in the preseason even. So it seems like they're trying to find ways to get him more involved in the offense, even if it's not necessarily as a blocker or a, or a ball carrier. So uh, he's going to make the roster. I don't think there's really any question at this point. It's a pretty easy call. So far, we're the same. Now let's move on to running backs. How many do you have them carrying? I have them carrying three. Uh, pretty easy for me. Obviously, Melvin Gordon tops the depth chart. Austin Eckler is number two. Some might say he's 1B. 
Some might even say he's 1A, but he's the second guy on the death chart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Detrez Newsom is a guy who really surprised me in camp. I admittedly did not have a chance to watch any tape of his when they signed him as an undrafted free agent, so I had no familiarity with him. Uh, but he's a guy who he shows good vision, good burst. He's explosive in the open field. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. I was a little surprised we didn't see more of him on special teams, particularly in the third game. Um, but to me, it seems like he's got that job wrapped up. He's just been fantastic in the preseason. He's had a pretty heavy workload the last two games in particular. And uh, it it just doesn't seem like anybody's close. Hans, uh, Russell Hansborough has been banged up, played sparingly in the third preseason game. Justin Jackson, the seventh-round pick, has been nowhere to be seen. He's been hurt since early in camp, has not played in the preseason. Hard to imagine him making the roster at all. Uh, given the fact that he hasn't played at all in the preseason. So for me, it's Gordon, Eckler, Newsom, and everybody else is pretty far behind. Yeah, I've got the same three. Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Dietrich Newsom. Russell Hansborough made it close, but Dietrich Newsom quite literally ran away with it, especially with his opportunity. He punched it in again for another touchdown on Saturday against the Saints. Newsom has absolutely earned that RB3 role. And, you know, when the Chargers had Mike Tolbert, it was a lot of fun to watch him score touchdowns. He's a pretty good fullback, too. But, you know, doing the dances and stuff in the end zone was just awesome every Sunday. To have Newsom do backflips is a top five touchdown celebration. For that alone, <laughs> you got to keep the guy. You want to see those on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, Newsom's the guy. He's RB3. He has earned it. Personally, I would hold out Justin Jackson for game four. If he's healthy enough to go, I don't want to put any more snaps on tape for him. I don't want to give another team a look at him. I want them to have to assume his college tape and not have anything to work off of. I would hold him out for game four and try to sneak him on the practice squad. They're a guy that they obviously invested in a little bit, sent a seventh-round pick at him, a guy they probably want to keep. So if they want to and want to play it safe, hold him out for game four, let Russell Hansborough carry the load for the rest of game four, and just let Justin Jackson hopefully slide and uh, pick him up and put him on his practice squad. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Jackson practiced at all this week, did he? I don't recall seeing any reports no, of I don't think practicing. So. Hmm. I don't think he's practiced since like the first week of the of camp. So to me, you're talking about a mid-seventh-round pick, a guy who hasn't practiced much, hasn't played at all in the preseason. I think he's a pretty easy guy to move to the practice squad if you want to do that. But if he's not healthy and you really want to protect him and you're really concerned with it, just put him on the pup list and and stash him away that way. Well, has he practiced at all? Because if if he's practiced, because he's practiced in training camp, but if they practice at all, new rule says you can't pup him. Hmm. Well, I think they can risk if they can't pup him. I think they can risk waving him because there's just no tape on him and he's been hurt and he hasn't really shown anything. So I I don't I think he's a guy that they can afford to risk passing through waivers. I know they like him. But, I mean, they waited till the seventh round to take him. So it's not like they're in love with him, and it's not like they can't live without him. So, you know, I've heard people suggesting maybe they IR him just for the sake of, of protecting him. I don't really think that's necessary. I don't think he's a guy you have to protect at all costs, particularly not with Newsom, you know, breaking through this preseason. Obviously not a big investment. The seventh round pick isn't huge. But also, if you want to play it safe, just don't put anything on tape for game four, just in case. Because yep. if he blows it up, then you're, you know, you got teams sniffing around Justin Jackson. You don't want that happening. So there is a chance you can get him on the practice squad. And then, look, if he's good enough, you can just promote him at any point. But, you know, I think Newsom is, is the guy going forward. I think he's earned it. 
So, oh yeah, you know, I think Jackson's got a long way to go to even be in a position to be called up from the practice squad to take that third spot. So he might be a guy that you just wait until next year, bring him back to camp and see where he is. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to wide receivers. We might have differ here. I've got six wide receivers here. I also have six receivers. Okay, so let's see if it's the same six. Obviously, the starters: Keenan Allen, Tyra Williams. You got Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin. As a team, keeping Jeremy Davis and also keeping Dylan Cantrell. I have the Chargers cutting Artavis Scott. Jeremy Davis gets the nod over Scott again this year, hoping they can get Scott on the practice squad again. I think for Dylan Cantrell, I think there's two options because during OTAs and training camp. Coaches were raving about Dylan Cantrell making the biggest leap of any player and being really impressed with his progression. If you're raving about a guy, putting it in the media, I think we're not the only ones watching, you know, and seeing these tweets about and raving about Dylan Cantrell. So I don't think they can cut him outright. I think they either keep him, even though he never played a game in preseason, you haven't seen what he's like in games, or uh, you alluded to a little bit earlier, maybe you IR him. Maybe you keep down because technically you have to keep Dylan Cantrell on your 53. So you keep Dylan Cantrell, and then once you keep him, you IR him. That way you could call up Artavis Scott if, uh, if he makes the practice squad. But then that's a way to keep all seven wide receivers. You have Dylan Cantrell heal up. I don't know how bad the injury is, but he's got eight weeks to heal up. He can come back for the second half of the season if you need him. But a way to keep both all Davis, Cantrell, and Scott if need be. A sneaky way of doing it if you just keep Cantrell, IR him. He's there for eight weeks healing up. Promote Artavis Scott, and you've got everybody underneath your umbrella. you got to do a cut later when Cantrell comes back, but... I just don't see the team cutting Dylan Cantrell, even though he's never played in preseason. Yeah, this is a tough one because I thought he was a lock to make the roster going in. My six that I have on the roster are Keenan Allen, Tyro Williams, Travis Benjamin, Mike Williams, Jeremy Davis, and Artavis Scott. I don't have Cantrell making it. I think something I hadn't considered that might make some sense, and you bringing up you know IR and all, it kind of jogged you know, made me think about it is maybe, maybe breaking camp with seven wide receivers just for the first day, just until they get through the cut period, then moving Cantrell to to IR because the trick here is if they IR him before the season starts, he doesn't have four years of accrued uh, service time, which means they would have to pass him through waivers and risk losing him. And I doubt they want to do that. But if they carry him on the 53 out of camp and then move him to IR, they don't have to pass him through waivers. So there's kind of a little loophole there. Um, I did not have him making the 53, and I was kind of going back and forth on the very last spot, and that might make some sense if they really want to if they really want to keep him. But at least as my list stands right now, I do not have him making the 53. I, I have Allen, Williams, Benjamin, Williams, Davis, and Scott, and I think Davis and Scott just flat out earn those spots, and they have to be on the 53. Yeah, Scott definitely deserves the spot. Gave it to Ken- Cantrell just because of uh, how the coaching staff feels about him. And when you really break it down, what's the drop-off between Jeremy Davis and Artavis Scott? You know, not much. It's pretty even. And then if you're thinking about how much they love Cantrell and the potential there, uh, they might want to keep him and think that if they lose Scott, then that's okay. They have a Jeremy Davis. But if not, you know, he passes through waivers again. You pick him up on practice squad just like last season. So... Let's move on to tight ends. How many do you have? I cheated a little bit here, admittedly, and I don't know if you did the same thing. I have them carrying <laughs> four tight ends, one of whom is not currently on the roster. 
So I think you know where I'm going with this. Yep. I have the Chargers carrying Virgil Green, Antonio Gates, Sean Col- Colkin, and Braden Bowman. Now, Bowman was a tough one for me because, honestly, I don't think he really did anything to earn the spot. But I think if they're going to carry Gates, they almost have to carry four tight ends just to get the blocking tight ends on the roster and to be able to keep him fresh and rotate him through and keep him playing right around 25 snaps a game. Because if he's going to be playing more than 25 snaps a game, I think he's going to burn out and break down and they're going to have a big problem on their hands. So I have them carrying four tight ends, one of whom really did nothing to earn it, but I know the coaches like him and they've been raving about him. We didn't see it in the preseason, but I think Bowman sticks, at least on the initial 53. Maybe he's a guy that they they hang on to until they sign Gates and they add Gates and move him off, but I think he's going to stick. I'd have them carrying four tight ends as well. Antonio Gates, Virgil Green, Sean Colcom, Braden Bowman. Those are the tight ends. There's been no tight end that has earned a spot over Bowman. Bowman hasn't done anything in the preseason, but he's had no real competition. So Virgil Green, Sean Colcom, Braden Bowman. Team loves Braden Bowman and Sean Colcom, so they'll keep those two. Virgil Green, of course, a starter, but once they bring Antonio Gates back, they've got four tight ends. They've got depth just in case Gates need to be worked back into game speed. So they'll have an extra body there, but look for them to cut this group if another player comes available on the wire. So Braden Bowman, probably the odd man out in this group. So I've got them carrying four tight ends. All right, so let's move on to O-Lineman. And I've got them carrying nine. It's the starters Russell Okung, Dan Feeney, Mike Pouncey, Michael Schofield, and Joe Barksdale. Of course, the starter could change with Forrest Lamp. We'll see in game four. I've got them carrying Sam Tevy. And the guard-center combo of Spencer Pulley and Scott Questenberry. Uh, This is kind of the list that I had when we did the season preview. I thought they would carry nine. And once cuts happen, I think this is exactly what happens. Um, I don't think Questenberry's really earned that last spot. Because they invested a fifth-round pick in him, I think they end up keeping him. And I think they keep an extra interior offensive lineman knowing that you know, Lamp has been a little bit banged up. He hasn't. They wanted to play him against the Saints, but he wasn't ready yet. They're going to play him in Game Four. He's got an injury history. We know Mike Pouncey has an injury history, so I think they carry an extra interior offensive lineman. That one being Scott Questenberry, and so I got them carrying nine. But honestly, once the cuts happen among the NFL, I think this is the spot you look to add another guy. Because when you look at Sam Tevy, Spencer Pulley, Scott Questenberry, none of them really bring any confidence. So I think there might be a guy that Tom Telesco comes and grabs off the wire, a name that I like that has been talked about is Menelik Watson, the uh, tackle for the Broncos. They've talked about you know just cutting him because of costs. But uh, you know he's not a starting tackle, but he's going to give you what Michael Schofield gave you last year. He's going to be a reliable backup. He can start in a pinch. Uh, so that's a guy I'll be eyeing when they do 53s, but um, I've got them carrying nine. Yeah, I have them carrying nine. I have them carrying the same nine, and I agree with you, Questenberry. He's a guy who I kind of went back and forth on. Nah, I don't think he earned it, nah, but they spent a fifth-round pick on him. He shouldn't be here, but he probably will be. I wound up settling with him on the list as the ninth offensive lineman. He really did not earn it at all. I mean, he looked pretty bad in, in training in uh, preseason, in my opinion. Uh, but I do think he's going to stick by virtue of being a fifth-round pick. And he's, you know, hometown guy, played at UCLA, lifelong Charger fan. There's a story there that they like, I think. So 
I think he sticks. And I would agree that this is one of a couple places. Another one being defensive tackle, which we'll talk about in a little bit, where they're probably going to be trolling the waiver wire looking for somebody who gets cut in the final cuts here. Um, but for the time being, those, my nine are Okung, Feeney, Pouncey, Schofield, Barksdale, Tevi, Pulley, and Questenberry, and Lamp. And you mentioned it, the big news with Lamp was he was supposed to play. He, he started out warm-ups. Uh, dressed to play, and they wound up pulling him back and not playing him. But after the game, Anthony Lynn said that they expect him to play a lot next week. They had targeted the third preseason game for him to play, and he just wasn't quite ready. So they're hoping that he's, they're thinking he's going to be ready next week. And there's also been talk this weekend that, you know, he could, in fact, wind up starting out of the gate. Um, but they have him kind of penciled in as a starter at some point during the season. So. They're as excited for Lamp to come back as we are as fans. And uh, that's that's something to keep an eye on is how he plays in the fourth preseason game. That's basically going to be the only thing worth watching in the in the fourth preseason game. I was going to say, how about going and actually wanting to watch a game four of a preseason? Because I, I want to go see Forrest Lamp. They planned it pretty well. Right about the time when everybody's ready to tune out, they're saying, "Okay, well, he's going to play next week, so so make sure you're here." So yeah, it's a uh, they kind of they 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 tricked us, they sucked us in. We thought we were out, and they sucked us back in. Yep, yep. So we're watching Game Four for sure, and uh, let's go over defensive linemen. Let's talk about defensive tackles. Of course, Corey Legit does not count against the fifty-three. So talk to me about who you got them carrying. So my defensive line group, I have them carrying Joey Bosa, Brandon Mebane. Darius Phylon, Melvin Ingram, Isaac Rochelle, Chris Landrum, Justin Jones, Damian Square, and the UDFA, Steven Richardson. So I have them carrying nine defensive linemen. Oh, you okay, you did tackles and ends. Okay, I said defensive tackle, but yeah, you got oh, it. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 you're good. So yeah, I have them carrying nine, nine defensive linemen, and I have them carrying, uh, what, Five defensive tackles. Five tackles, tackles, four ends, yeah. I think they have to carry five defensive tackles, uh, especially right now with Justin Jones not having practiced really very much since week one and not being able to suit up for the the third preseason game. Uh, And Corey Legit being unavailable uh, for the first four games and Brandon Meebane basically being garbage over the last couple (laughs) preseason games. Uh, I think they're in a situation where they really have to keep Steven Richardson. And I even toyed with them keeping Bijan Jackson through the first four games just to have an extra body. But, mm. uh, you know, Richardson played a little bit with the ones late in the first half, played a lot with the twos, played with the threes. So it seems like they're stepping up his reps and getting him ready to play. I would have liked to have to see them start Legit. I mean, start him over Legit yesterday just because we know Legit's not going to be there for the first four games. So what's the point in having him play the first half? It just didn't make sense to me. But anyway, my defensive tackles, like I said, Mebane, Phylon, Jones, Square, and Richardson. Yeah, we've got the same nine defensive linemen. Yeah, it's for the tackles, it goes Brandon Mebane, Darius Phylon, Damian Square, Justin Jones, and Steven Richardson. As far as defensive ends, the starters, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, and then Isaac Rochelle and Chris Landrum. Of course, that end group is going to be a little bit better than people would expect it. I think uh, Whitney Richardson made some plays, but not enough to earn a roster spot here. I think with Corey Legion out, they got to add some beef up the middle. And I think Steven Richardson made enough plays, enough splash plays, to be one of the last defensive tackles on the depth chart. 
But the rest of them are pretty self-explanatory. Meebane, Phylon Square, all all veterans. Justin Jones, the rookie, uh, they're definitely keeping him. And I just think of the interior defensive linemen, Steven Richardson was the most impressive to me. So uh, I kept the same nine for defensive linemen. And uh, there weren't really any ends that kind of fought Chris Landry for that fourth spot. So that that was a pretty easy decision to make. Yeah, I agree. There was really nobody behind Landry and Rochelle who played well enough to warrant keeping to warrant keeping them. So Richardson, to me, he's a guy who he didn't do much in the second preseason game, but I thought he looked pretty good in the third preseason game. And you could make the argument he was the first or second best interior defensive lineman against the Cardinals. So he definitely did enough. He He looks... You know, athletic. He's been penetrating. Um, he's strong enough to hold his ground. Imagine <laughs> that in a defensive tackle. Yeah. Uh, so he he's looked pretty good to me, and I think he's earned the spot. Obviously, he probably won't stick uh, once Legion comes back, but uh, he, he's definitely earned the right to stick for the first four games at least. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And then you probably see uh, Stephen Richardson drop down the practice squad once Legion comes back. Let's move on to linebackers. I have them carrying seven, and this was a tough one for me. Obviously, Denzel Perryman, Kaiser White, Uchenna Nwosu, Kyle Emanuel is part of it, Jatavis Brown's here, Hayes Pillard, and then this last spot was very tough. It was between Dewan Hines and Nick DeZubner, and I really, 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 really wanted Dewan <laughs> Hines. But ultimately, Hines didn't do enough to sway me only because Nick DeZubner led the league in special teams tackles last year, and that goes a long way with his coaching staff, especially a guy like Anthony Lynn who made his living on special teams. So I think they end up keeping Nick DeZubner as the last linebacker. Dewan Hines, a guy I think has done enough to earn a practice squad spot. If he makes the last linebacker spot, and I really wanted to be spicy and throw him in as the seventh linebacker, but I I just couldn't. Um, but if he does, good on him. I, I think it's really, really close. But ultimately, I think Nick DeZubner's special team work, even though he was getting work way late in games and preseason, I just think that special teams value gets him that last spot. Yeah, I had them carrying seven as well. And I have them carrying the same seven. Uh, I really didn't even consider Dewan Hines. You know, going into camp, I was really hoping Hines would either push um, Hayes Pollard or Jatavis Brown or Nick DeZubner. But I kind of always thought DeZubner was safe because, like you mentioned, he is that core special teamer, led the league in special teams tackles last year. He's a hard worker. Coaches are just drawn to guys like him because of how hard they work. He makes the most of his, his very limited skill set. So... Uh, I, I think there's no question. Paraman, White, Nuosu, Pollard, Emmanuel, Brown, and DeZubner are the seven line, linebackers. One guy who might not be as firm on this roster as we thought heading into the third preseason game is Chavis Brown because he was awful last night. Awful. I think he still sticks, but, I mean, he missed a good six or seven tackles. His angles were bad. His reads were bad. He blew a couple coverage assignments. He looked completely lost and out of sorts uh, against the Saints, about as bad as I've ever seen him look, and he's not a guy who really looked all that great in the first two preseason games. So he's a guy, you know, thinking back to last year, we were all surprised they cut Dwight Lowry. We all thought he was going to stick. And he had that terrible game against the 49ers, and he was one of the, he was one of the first guys to go. And I'm not saying Brown's going to get cut, but I think he's – 
maybe not as much of a lock to make the roster as people thought he was entering the preseason because he has not played very well. And he's, in fact, gotten worse as the games have gone on. He has not done himself any favors. Kaiser White has run away with a will spot, but I don't think there's a chance they cut him. But he has not played good, and he did not play good against the Saints. And it seems like it happened against during the first game, and then it happened again against the Saints where he makes one good splash play in the run game where he gets a tackle for a loss, and then it all falls apart. For some reason, you know, against the Saints, goes gets in the backfield, makes a good tackle in the run game, and then he's got blown assignments in the pass game, and he was always good in coverage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, missing tackles in the run game, he was not very good. And he is falling deep down that depth chart. Uh, I don't think they don't have anybody after Kaiser White to really fill that role. But, um, but yeah, he is not he has not done himself any favors. That this was his time to win that job back, you know, kind of lighting a fire under him, drafting Kaiser White, hoping Brown can run away with it, and he did not. No, he, he really didn't. Um, and I think, you know, it's worth mentioning, too, because he's been a constant target on this show, is just how good Hayes Pollard has looked in the preseason. This is a guy who we criticized endlessly all last year. You know, he kind of snuck onto the roster late in the preseason towards final cuts last year. Uh, played a lot with Denzel Perriman being hurt, and he just looked overmatched, didn't look very athletic, wasn't very explosive. He was awful last year. Uh, I believe he was Pro Football Focus's last or worst-rated defender in the entire league last year. Uh, and this year, he looks explosive. He looks athletic. He's been effective as a blitzer. He's been a surefire tackler. He's looked very good. So, you know, for a guy who we've criticized quite a bit, I think it's definitely worth pointing out that he had a very good preseason and maybe more than any of the guys towards the bottom of the linebacker depth chart, he earned his keep and he earned his spot on the roster, whereas some of these guys are just kind of hanging on by a thread. Yeah, man. Shout out to Hayes Pollard. He has looked really, really good. And he looks fluid in coverage. He shows a little bit as a blitzer. He's done a lot this preseason. He's been very impressive. I He's been like the fourth best linebacker on this roster. But behind like how impressive Nuosu's looked and Perryman and White at times. And I, I think he's played better than Brown, better than Emmanuel, better than Zubner, obviously. He's really climbing up that depth chart. He, he looked very good in preseason, for sure. I think, I think you could make a strong argument that he's been as good as, if not better than Perryman in the preseason in in some spots yeah i you know there's a lot more splash plays from hayes pillar than denzel perryman this preseason definitely all right so let's move on to these dbs and we're moving on to corners here how many are they carrying i have them carrying five corners i went back and forth here and considered having them carry six especially with you know hayward and williams being dinged up i thought it might make sense and i i kind of had the sixth on and off my list four or five times. Wound up going with five. Casey Hayward, Trevor Williams, Des King, Michael Davis, and Craig Mager. Mager's a guy that the coaches have been praising heavily all all training camp, all preseason, even in OTAs, talked about his improved work ethic, his improved attitude, his improved technique. Uh, he's been kind of you know fixed in that fifth cornerback spot all preseason long, started game one, started again last night uh, against the Saints. And, you know, I didn't think he did much in the preseason, but I watched him closely against the Saints, and he wasn't targeted, and he seemed like he was in position quite a bit. It it was hard without the all-22 view on on NFL Network. 
on NFL.com, but uh, I thought he played pretty well, and he's a guy who de- definitely has not done anything to give up that fifth corner spot. So I think he sticks, and I think you could probably make a decent argument that with his performance last night in particular, he's probably earned it. Okay, so I've got the same corners. It's Casey Hayward, Trevor Williams, Desmond King, Michael Davis, and Craig Mager. Craig Mager and Michael Davis have been the backup corners behind Casey Hayward and Trevor Williams, who have been out most of the preseason. And neither Brandon Faison nor Tony Brown has done anything to jump either Davis or Mager in my book. So I don't see how you put, you pencil in either Brown, or especially not Brown because he's really struggled. But Brandon Faison has gotten some run, had the interception, of course, in game one, but hasn't done enough. And uh, Craig Mager has done just enough to stay on the roster. Not that he's struggled, but I'm saying, you know, he wasn't targeted a ton, but there hasn't been anybody that's jumped either Davis or Mager. So... I've got the same five corners. Hayward, Williams, King, Davis, and Mager. We're the same there. Yeah, I, I agree with you about the UDFAs. Um, I thought when Varek got hurt that there was a pretty good chance that either Faison or Brown would leapfrog Mager. Uh, but, you know, he he started camp as the fifth corner, basically, and really hasn't done anything to give that up. Faison is a guy who he had the one interception week one wasn't really a result of his coverage. It was an overthrown ball that got tipped, and he made a good play on it. Brown has had a couple big hits, uh, made a couple blocks on special teams, gave up the big pass play against the Cardinals, hasn't really done anything to stand out per se. Um, So I agree. I don't think there's any way you can pencil either one of those guys into the roster. I just don't think they've done anything to earn it and maybe one or both winds up making the practice squad. So let's just finish this out on defense and go with safeties, and this is an easy four. I don't know if there's even an argument to be made. It's Jaleel Adai, Derwin James, Rayshon Jenkins, and Adrian Phillips. Once Jalen Watkins went out, this was the safety group. This was the set at four. It was in stone. It's going to stay the same going into week one, and you're going to see Jaleel Adai and Derwin James as your starting safety, which is going to be good news. Yeah, um, I toyed with maybe keeping uh, A.J. Hendy just out of the interest of having an extra body with some of the inexperience they've got back there, but he hasn't done anything to earn it. So I have them carrying four safeties as well, four, same four safeties as you, Derwin, Adai, Jenkins, Phillips. Uh, James and Adai look like the surefire starters to start the season. Uh, seems like maybe we'll see some of Rayshon Jenkins playing a little bit of strong safety. Maybe we'll see some of Jenkins in that nickel linebacker role at times. Phillips. Uh, I mean, he, he probably had his best camp to date as a charger. Didn't really stand out, but I, he had some, you know, tackles for losses, uh, played pretty well. So he's, he's earned his spot in my opinion, really for the first time since he's been a charger. Uh, and there's nobody else on the depth chart that's worth keeping at this point, but this might be a place where if a veteran safety gets cut, this might be a place where they look to add a fifth guy just for some experience and some depth because, there's a whole lot of inexperience back there behind Jalil Adai. Okay, well, let's finish this out. We've got three spots left for these special teamers. Uh, well, my special team spots went to Caleb Sturgis, Drew Kayser, and Mike Went. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, I know people are rooting for Roberto Aguayo. Frankly, I don't care who wins the kicking job as long as they can make 85 or 85% of their kicks or more, and hopefully they can make some kicks in that 45 to 50 range. Um, other than that, it doesn't matter to me. Although I did see a quote from Anthony Lynn in an article sometime this week where he said, basically, you know, that's, we brought him in to be the kicker. That's talking about Sturgis. We brought him in to be the kicker. That's supposed to be his job. 
Aguayo is having a good camp was basically what he said. So I think they're going to wind up going with Sturgis. They they gave him the longer-term deal with more money. They seem to like him and believe in him. And I just don't know how you trust Aguayo during the regular season after the struggles that he's had throughout his career. So I think Sturgis winds up winning that. Uh, I was surprised during the game. I don't know if you caught it. I was surprised to hear the announcer say that they were having a punting competition during camp, like an honest-to-goodness competition between Drew Kayser and whatever the other guy's name is who wasn't going to make the roster. That's Shane Tripuka. Yeah, Shane Tripuka. Uh, Kayser is by far the better punter. If they were having an honest-to-goodness kicking competition, he ran away with it. Tripuka has zero chance of making this roster, in my opinion. So Kayser is the punter, and obviously Mike Went, the long snapper. Yeah, that is not true. Uh, Michael Peterson said the same thing about the punter competition. He's wrong, too. Uh, my, Drew Kayser, <laughs> Mike Went. Uh, there was no competition at all between those two for long snapper or punter. Caleb Sturgis, because they gave him the contract, gets the nod from me. Uh, they gave it to him in the offseason. And I think you still have to question Roberto Aguayo's history a little bit. I think it still has to scare you just a tad. Even if he's kicked great in camp and in preseason, it's hard to trust him. So I'm just speculating. But I think, you know, obviously the kicking competition – hasn't really got any kicks when it counts, so it's hard to even judge this group, but I'm leaning towards Sturgis. They gave him the contract. That's why they brought him in. They didn't think there would be a kicking competition. Aguayo has been pretty good, but I think ultimately they give it to Sturgis. Yeah, and something worth pointing out here is, you know, we talked last week about Travis Benjamin. Maybe is is his job in jeopardy, and can J.J. Jones find a way to make the roster? Notice neither one of us have them carrying Jones. Um, No. He, I don't think they can carry seven receivers on the 53, at least not for the whole season, unless it's for like a roster management thing early on. Uh, and Jones, in my opinion, you know, he's not going to be the punt returner or the kick returner. They had uh, Benjamin as the first team punt returner against the Saints. That's a pretty good indication of how they're viewing the position going into the season. Same thing with Des King returning kicks. And if Jones can't supplant either King or Jones or, or King or Benjamin or both, to be the primary kick or punt returner, then he's not worth carrying on the roster. So as exciting as he was, hopefully they can stash him on the practice squad. I just don't see how they can justify carrying him. J.J. Jones does not get the job as Travis Benjamin's job, and J.J. Jones had a great return and uh, has shown up at times but does not earn a roster spot. Sneak him on the practice squad if you can. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that does it for our 53-man roster predictions. We differ on wide receivers. You've got Artavis Scott, i got Dylan Cantrell. So we'll see when they make cuts, and next week we'll go over the exact cuts the Chargers made and how the roster unfolded. I am Garrett Sisti on Twitter. Jamie? At Lightning underscore round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.